Hey, this is Nate with Purity for Life. You're about to hear the story of one of our graduates, a guy named Ryan. And if you've got little ones nearby, I just want to make you aware that Ryan's going to be talking about his own struggle to overcome a life full of drugs, alcohol, and pornography. Thanks for listening. How do you cope if your childhood home is full of arguing, tension, and chaos? Well, most people look for a way to escape. Some people try to escape through video games or relationships or a highly controlled fantasy life. For our guest today, Ryan, he tried to escape through pornography. But Ryan soon found out that porn is no escape. It's a door into deeper bondage. I was an angry kid, had a horrible temper, and I stuttered as a kid. I struggled in school, was constantly getting into trouble with my teachers, getting into fights. And a lot of that was because of my stuttering. You know, so kids making fun of you, uh, mimicking you, and that's how I responded. As Ryan grew older, he became addicted to various substances, eventually even going on blackout binges with drugs and alcohol. And then one night, something terrifying happened to him, and that was it. He was going to do whatever it took to get help. That day, I decided to enter a Christian rehab. And I remember going to the pastor there, and for some reason, I just remember telling him, I gotta leave, I gotta go to Pure Life. And uh, three months later, I entered into Pure Life Ministries. This is Purity for Life. You're listening to Ryan's Story of Hope. Here we go. Hey, just a quick side note before we get started. Ryan lives in Long Island, and so we had to record him remotely. And at various points, you're going to hear some noise from his family in the background. Like this. Alright, I'm going to try and go into a different room. If it if it gets... Daddy, just, just let me know if it sounds different. Daddy, just for one minute. Where's mommy? That well, I guess I should apologize for less than pristine audio, but sounds like these are just more reminders of how good God really is. Let's get into Ryan's story. I was raised in the church. We went to church every Sunday, even every Tuesday night, midweek service, we were there. I even remember sometimes even telling my mom I was sick, or she's like, nah, we're, we're going to church. And I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. I remember my mom just doing Bible studies with with my siblings and I. And uh, even at nine years old, I decided that I wanted to follow God and I wanted to get baptized. And so I got baptized. And I just remember that night coming up out of the water, just tears in my eyes. And I felt the Holy Spirit touch me. Growing up in my house, it was a pretty rough environment. A lot of arguing between my parents, a lot of fighting, pretty much every day. My mom crying a lot. At times she would even leave the house for a day or two. You know, my mom, she struggled. She, The thing that she struggled most was with my dad's drinking. And unfortunately she dealt with it through anger and there was name calling. Um, she had a lot of resentment, a lot of resentment toward my father. 
and it was it was an unhealthy marriage. The first time I was exposed to pornography, I was about nine years old, and we would have sleepovers and we would watch movies, play Nintendo, and you know just do the things that that kids would do. But when it got late, I just remember an older friend of ours. They would always search for things that they can watch that was just basically inappropriate, and、um, I just at that time. Feeling just really uncomfortable, not wanting to be there, but you just you just feel frozen, and really not knowing what to do. But it was really at the age of twelve that's when I became hooked. I remember at twelve I was going to other kids' houses, and some of my friends had cable, so. We would stay up all night till like six in the morning, just watching it. And I just, I clearly remember at that point, I would try to get my hands on whatever magazines, tapes that I could find, even steal. I was an angry, I was an angry kid. Had a horrible temper. If you walked into my room, you would see holes in the wall. You know, I, I acted tough. I talked tough, but deep down, I was extremely insecure, and I stuttered as a kid. It was something that I was very insecure about. I struggled in school. Was constantly getting into trouble with my teachers, getting into fights, and a lot of that was, you know, the fights and all was because of my stuttering. You know, so kids making fun of you,、uh, mimicking you, and and just that's how I responded. You know, most of my childhood, I didn't really have anyone to help me process what I was feeling or going through. So I started dealing with it by going to to pornography, and for me, that was my escape from reality. It was something that made me feel secure, something that I can control, and it was something that I could have for myself. Around the age of fourteen, my mother started finding pornography in my room, and you know she would get upset. But there was really never a conversation.、Um, maybe, maybe she would punish me for a day or two, or send me to my room. But we never talked about it. And my dad, he didn't talk to me about it either. I just would overhear him telling my mom that it's normal. He's just curious, and so that was pretty much it. So, around fourteen, my brother introduced me to marijuana, and it actually took away any issues that I had with my stuttering, with my speech. I felt confident, and I just remember my friends telling me to shut up because <laughs> I couldn't stop talking. I just I loved it, but very quickly it just switched. I became withdrawn, antisocial. I had no ambition. You know, at at that age, I was a、uh, I was a top baseball player, and it totally just took any ambition away from me. I was unable to perform at the level I knew I was capable of, and at 16, started drinking, doing cocaine, which led to other drugs. And by the age of 17, I, I dropped out of high school. And so for the next few years, I was I was getting arrested and just pretty much going nowhere in my life. This whole time, my mom. Was praying 
fasting. And I remember she would leave scripture on my headboard. And I remember finding it on my headboard and just crumpling it up and throwing it into the trash can. So my drinking started to get out of control. I decided to enter into a 28-day program. Uh, I completed the 28-day program, but quickly went right back into my sin, back into the drinking, the drugs, and it got worse. And uh, what my wake-up call was, was that I went to a friend's house New Year's Eve, and uh, just, you know, there was a just a lot of drugs there, a lot of drinking, and I just remember doing whatever was available and drinking, and that night, I remember waking up from what seemed like a blackout. I was about a couple of miles from the party, and I was just covered in blood. And I think I called my friend, asking him what happened that night. And he told me that I went through his front door, which was all glass. And that day, I decided to enter a Christian rehab. You know, I remember going to chapel every Tuesday night there, and I loved worship. And there was a night where the Holy Spirit broke through. And I just remember standing in the first row and the worship is going. And then I just break, I just fall to my knees. I just start weeping and he shattered me. Everything that I covered up in my life, all of my sin, the things that were kept hidden in the dark for so long. Just all of it just came into the light that night. And I remember going to the pastor there. And for some reason, I just remember telling him, I got to leave. I got to go to Pure Life. And it, it was because my uncle, he was at Pure Life, probably like a few years back. And he told me about the program. And, um, you know, at that time, I didn't even think I had a really big problem with pornography. But it just seemed like the Lord was doing a work that night. And I, I kept telling him, I got to leave. I got to go to Pure Life. And uh, three months later, I entered into Pure Life Ministries. All right. So today I've got Ryan on the phone with me. And Ryan went through the residential program back in 2008 and 2009, right? Or was it just 2008? I can't remember. I think it was 2008. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story. Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, as I was reading the answers to the pre-interview questionnaire that you sent back to me, I just, it was like, man, you know, the things that Ryan went through in his childhood and the way he responded to that, I think, is just really common. There's strife in the home. That was fostering some serious insecurities in your life. And then you turn to drugs and alcohol. And honestly, I think a lot of people in the world would either say that you literally became an addict because of the difficulties in your childhood, or might say that at least you were totally justified in turning to those things. And the underlying assumption in that line of thinking is that you're a victim, that you literally became an addict because of what had happened to you in your childhood, which means 
that if you want to change in the present, you have to deal with the past. Did you ever go down that line of thinking in terms of, I've got to heal from the past so that I can change in the present? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> you think of that old saying, you're a product of your past. Mm. Um, yeah, I think there are elements from our past or upbringing. It could shape how we think or even how we see the world. You know, when I was in AA and secular treatment and um, just that whole experience of just being in meetings, hearing conversations, you're with psychologists, you're with therapists, and it seems like the first thing they want to talk about is your past. And I understand why, why they would go that direction because we do have wounds from our past and sometimes these wounds can contribute to maybe going in a certain direction in life. I think there's a place for those kinds of conversations and it may even bring minimal healing, but it does not bring true freedom. And I honestly didn't, I didn't really ever find much help. Um, and you know, a lot of times they'll offer you tools or ways to cope coping skills and things like that. But, um, you'll never really find the true freedom that is offered to you by, by Christ. Yeah. That's what I think people find attractive, right? Is that they come to, they maybe go to like some kind of secular treatment, AA or whatever, and they're being told, listen, if we can sort out your past, then you're going to find freedom in the present. And that's what's attractive about it is that what they really want is the freedom. Um, so, okay. So then you come to Pure Life and your counselor I know, took a very different approach to your problems than digging into your past. Like he, what he was going to do was help you face things about yourself that were deeper than the circumstances that you had gone through. Um, He was going to try to deal with root issues in your character. So now that's a more difficult message because that's like, oh, I'm not a victim. This Mm -hmm. is my fault. Yeah. Yeah. Did you struggle with that message at first or did you push back against it in any way? Yeah. Um, when I first got to Pure Life, I, I pretty much pushed back against everything. So it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't just my counselor. It was pretty much the, you know, just the program. And so, yeah, I had, a, I had such a problem with authority And I can't even, even before I got there, I can't even remember if I came under anybody's authority in my whole life. Um, I remember hearing a conversation amongst one of the counselors and the students there. And they started talking about being an intern after they graduated. And I remember being at the other Christian program before Pure Life and telling my counselor that I was going to stay only for a certain amount of time. Like nobody was going to keep me here longer than this amount of time that I already made up my mind about. And so I remember looking at the counselor and telling him, there's no way I'm going to be an intern here. And I, it was like my first three or four days. And so I just didn't, yeah, I didn't really trust the leadership. I didn't trust, I just didn't trust anybody. And, uh, 
at that time, I didn't really think they had my best in mind either. And so for me, it, it was, I'm going to be there. I'm going to get better. I'm going to stop doing what I've been doing. And I'm going to go back to my life. And my life's just going to continue as it's always been, just without the drugs and the pornography. Hmm. Yeah, that is, I think, super common <laughs> for the guys who go through the program. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's no, there's just no comprehension at that point. No, not only that there are deeper issues, but that God, that He has more for us, right? I mean, it's like mm, mm-hmm. our our view is so shallow. It's like the best yeah. we think we can expect from Him is for Him to deal with this negative stuff, and then we're like, "Yep, I'll be good with that." It's almost like the the 10 lepers, right? Like nine get their healing and go away. And there's only one of them who realizes the magnitude of what he has been offered, which is to just Mm -hmm. like come back to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So you have difficulty trusting. Um, You have difficulty trusting authority. You're basically doing the program on your own terms kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, what was, I don't know, what was God really getting at in your heart and how did he start dealing with, with some of those deeper things? Yeah. You know what? It really came down to surrender. And I, I say that because I wanted healing, but it had to be on my own terms. Mm. I wanted to get better but it had to be on my own terms. I wanted him to change me, but it had to be my way. And so the first maybe few days, there was such an unwillingness still to surrender to the leadership, um, especially my counselor. But it was around the second week of being at Pure Life, my counselor, he heard that I was saying some things about him. And he confronted me about it. That night, I, I remember I went back to my bunk and I thought about our conversation. And the next morning, I remember writing, I wrote a letter to him. And I remember him coming into my room and he sees me laying on the bed. I'm holding the letter. I'm really upset. And he just, he just looks at me standing there, not saying anything. And I hand him the letter. And I just break out in tears. And I remember my counselor telling me at the time, Ryan, if you can't do this for the Lord, do it for me. And as I look back at what he said, I see so much wisdom in that. Not just wisdom, but maybe even some discernment of where I was at in my life. And he knew I didn't know the Lord. You know, I might have had that salvation experience at at Teen Challenge, but I didn't know the Lord. And after, you know, just realizing or just seeing that my counselor, you know, he was becoming someone who slowly I started to trust. You know, he was different. Even after all the things he heard me say about him, it's like he still fought for me. He He still cared about me. He started seeing I started seeing Jesus in him. And uh, 
even though he said, you know, try to do it for me, he still kept pointing me to Jesus and the cross. And it was never about him. He just wanted to see me get a hold of God. And so I told him, I said, okay, this was like after two weeks, I think two, three weeks. And that was it. I said, let's, let's do it. I will do whatever you tell me to do. And I think like for the first time <laughs> in my life, it was just like, all right, I'll do whatever. Cause I'm desperate and doing it my way has not worked. And so I'll do it your way. That is awesome. <laughs> um, I can kind of relate a little bit to the situation that you experienced. I mean, in my mm -hmm. own program, it was very different. Um, mm -hmm. But the place that I came to was sort of that place of surrender was like, okay, my counselor is telling me that something's really wrong with my life, but I don't see it, you know? So, okay, God, you show me the truth. And... That was a really profound moment in my life where things really started to change, but mm. that was totally just the beginning, right? I mean, there's still like a lot of way to go. Yeah. So for you, when you had that initial point of surrender and like, okay, I'll just do whatever you tell me to do, what things started to happen for you at that point in the program? Yeah. Yeah. Uh the Lord started to expose a lot of pride in my life. And um, the one thing that started to stag out for me was uh, I started comparing myself to all the other students at the program. And um, at that time I was dealing with a lot of shame, self-condemnation, self-pity, just constantly focused on myself. What I did in the past all of my sin, everyone that I hurt, and just basically wallowing in my sorrow and just feeling like there's no way God can accept me. And I just realized that it was just pride, you know, and, and it was manifesting where I was just comparing myself with the other students. And you're kind of saying to yourself, well, I thought I was I was bad, but I'm not I'm not that bad. And rather than go to the cross for mercy, for the loving kindness that God has offered for me or to me, instead I would just compare myself with others and it would actually make me feel better about myself. And I started to see so much self-righteousness in that. And it, it actually helped me, uh, I thought about the, the Pharisee and the tax collector and how the, the Pharisee would, would just boast about all the good things that he did. Well, at least I'm not like this other guy, this sinner. But this sinner would just beat his chest and cry out to God, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. And I realized that I wasn't that guy. I was the Pharisee standing next to him. And so I felt like like I was just at a crossroad in my life. Yeah, in the in the uh, pre-interview questionnaire that you filled out, you wrote about a time where your counselor gave you a list of a bunch of forms of pride and said, "All right, Ryan, which oh, ones of these right. do you struggle with?" And you yeah. were like, 
mm, I think I struggle with like, you know, 11 of these. And I think there were like 30. And he was like, <laughs> you struggle with all of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, you mentioned already self-pity and just wallowing in your sorrow as a form of pride. You talked about self-righteousness. Were there any other really glaring forms of pride that you started to see? Oh, man. Um, self-love, you know, um, it sticks out to me so much because a lot of the issues that I was having, the mental struggles just like constantly wrapped up in my mind, dissecting every dark thought I was having. And, you know, I would go to my counselor and I would just for an hour <laughs> just talk about everything that I was thinking about. Why am I thinking about this? Why am I? And just constantly um, wanting answers about myself. And he just looked at me and he just, just said, oh, you just love yourself. And I've never heard someone say that before. And I'm just like, there's like, what are you talking about? I love myself. No, I, I hate these things about myself. What do you, I don't love myself. And he says, no, you just love yourself. You just, you're just constantly focused on yourself. And that did something for me. It, it really brought a lot of clarity into my situation. And it really kind of helped me out of that where instead of being so focused on myself, it, he was just like, listen, take your eyes off of yourself and place your eyes on Christ. Um, and I feel like from there, I, I started just little by little experiencing just more freedom. Yeah, that is so good. And I, I know that there are people listening who need to hear that, that the pathway to freedom sometimes is is totally getting our focus not on ourselves and not on our own problems, not on our own insecurities or failures, but putting them on Christ. Because in one sense, the essence of pride is self-centeredness, no matter what form that might be. And so God was leading you into freedom through a way that felt very counterintuitive, which was to stop looking at yourself. Were there other big ways that you needed to repent? Yeah, um, I think I was two or three months into the program, and um, I started writing letters. I started writing letters to my mom, my father, just asking for forgiveness, just repenting to the people that I've hurt. You know, a big one for me was there was a lot of resentment, anger, and bitterness toward my dad. And I remember one night, one of the leaders at Pure Life, uh, he was giving a testimony about his father. And it just, uh, it resonated with me so much. And he had a similar relationship with his dad. And as I'm listening to his testimony, just right then and there, it was just like the Lord started showing me how he saw my dad. You know, the Lord saw my dad differently than I did. And he showed me that. I just started seeing all the good qualities about my dad rather than just being so focused on what he didn't do for me or 
that he wasn't there for me here in my life or, and, you know, not realizing that unforgiveness had taken root in my heart. But it was at that time uh, I started learning and just getting a better understanding regarding the brokenness of man. And I started to see my dad as someone who was broken and who also had a deep need, just like myself, which was the mercy of God. And so just during that service, the Lord healed me. He, he, he brought a lot, of, a lot of healing into my heart that night. And um, my relationship with my dad is uh, it's so much better now than, than it was before. Yeah, you know, I, I'm just thinking about like how easy it is when we blame our problems on someone mm. else, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so someone is telling us, well, the reason you are the way you are is because of what was done to you. And how easy it can be in that moment to become angry and bitter and resentful. And you're actually encouraging that sin to fester, the, the sin of self-pity the sin of bitterness, the sin of unforgiveness, and how different that is from what you were just talking about, which was that when you face your own sin, mm. you start mm-hmm. to become free. Like you're, you're yeah. already saying like, man, when I faced this stuff, God was bringing healing into my life. What were some other ways that you started to just become new like what were some of the ways that god really started to bring healing into your life you know early in the program i really struggled mentally really struggled mentally i felt like i had no control over my thought life um just bombarded you know if i look back now i can just remember just being in a place of just utter hopelessness but realizing that he was the only one left, it would only be the Lord who would just bring healing, especially to my mind. And uh, every night I would just say a simple prayer, Lord, help me. That's it. It was just Lord, help. And uh, what that taught me at Pure Life was dependence. And what Pure Life taught me there was that you don't leave that place of dependence, even when <laughs> he restores you, even when he gives you the freedom that you need. It's you always stay in that place of poverty, in that place of dependence on him. What about some of the just the fears and the insecurities um, from you know your earliest childhood? How did how did you begin to see um, some freedom in those areas as well? You know, when it came to trust, even, you know, trusting God, I think, was a big issue of mine. And I, I didn't realize it at the time. I looked at God in many ways or treated God in many ways that I looked at my dad, mm-hmm. you know, and um, my dad was... He can be very aloof, passive. You don't really feel comfortable most of the time, especially when I was a kid, you know. And so 
I remember the Lord really revealed himself to me where there was a guy at the program. He said something just really nasty to me. And usually I would respond in a very fleshly uh, way and, and I didn't. I, uh, yeah, I remember they, they taught us um, there to, to pray for others. And even if they maybe cross you or do something that you don't like or lift them up in prayer. And that's what I did. And as I'm praying for him, that guy walks right up to me and he asked me for forgiveness. And I was just shocked. I, I couldn't believe it. And um, for me, it was big because I felt, I felt like the Lord came through and I felt his support. I felt his love. Hmm. And um, I've never really experienced God like that to be so involved. And I really believe that, that, that God really came to that guy. So when it came to trust, that was pretty important. And that's where mm -hmm. I started to, to really trust the Lord. And um, I think from that, when it comes to fear, when it comes to trust issues, anxiety, like all these things that I struggled with, he started to really help me in that area of my life just through me trusting Jesus. As, as long as I just trusted Jesus, I knew that Jesus would help me with, with all of those struggles that I had. Mm. There's a verse that I love. He's not given me a spirit of, of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And so I'm going to trust him and he's going to help me. And he has, he's, he's been so faithful. Hmm. So, okay. So, I mean, things, what I hear is that things are really changing for you. I mean, I know it's a process for sure. And we all <laughs> have struggles and it takes time, mm -hmm. but like, things are really changing for you. You're experiencing the joy that's in God. You're experiencing more peace. Like you're beginning to sense and feel his involvement in your life. You've, you're surrendering to him. You're beginning to really trust him. And then you mentioned in the pre-interview questionnaire that you realized that God was calling you into ministry. Now, I know based on your story, that's not anything that you had ever thought about or planned for in your own life. So that's like, that's a big deal. That's, that's a deeper surrender. Was that hard for you to realize that? Yeah. I, you know, I was going to be a physical trainer. <laughs> um, those were my plans. Uh, you know, at first it didn't look that way. Toward the end of my time there, I started talking to my counselor about Bible school. That mm. was like the only like Bible school or Bible college. And it was like, I just, you know, I, I just want to go deeper with the Lord. Mm. And so ministry, I don't know if the ministry was on my mind at that moment. It was just, you know, really the, the Holy Spirit leading me into something, just wanting to go deeper. And it's miraculous because I'm thinking like, why in the world 
because I ended up going to a one-year discipleship program. And so I would never think that I would even want to go to another place for a year <laughs> and, you know, just give away what I felt like was oh, give my life away for another year. And, but yeah, no, it, so I, I, I talked to him and I was like, listen, like, I think I want to go to Bible college. And he, he gently steered me into going to this one year discipleship program. He just felt like it was a good fit for me. Mm. And um, so I go to the one year discipleship program and toward the end, I felt like the Lord was just playing some mean joke on me because I just felt like God was calling me into the ministry and, and to be a pastor. And uh, my whole life, I was petrified <laughs> in speaking to people, um, <laughs> like getting up in class or, you know, giving an oral project or to the point where like, I didn't even want to raise my hand, um, just petrified. But at that time, I instead went on the mission field, actually, for three years. You know, the, the pastor there felt like it would be good training for me. And so I went and gone and went to the mission field for about three years and lived in Poland. And then um, came back and started doing my schooling to, to be a pastor. That's amazing. So I know we've, we've got to move along here. we got a few more things that I'd like to cover. But um, so eventually you met a lovely woman, you got into a relationship with her, and your life before you really knew Jesus, I mean, it was just full of selfishness, it was destruction, there's chaos, there's all kinds of craziness. What was it like to be in a serious relationship now, kind of as a new man? Hmm. It was petrifying. <laughs> um it was really my first serious relationship that I was going to be in maybe since all the way in my late teens. And, um, you know, I still struggled. I still struggled with pride and, and lust and selfishness and, you know, and, you know, her and I came from similar backgrounds. She had a miraculous transformation in her life, uh, but she was also going through a season of where the Lord was, was touching on some things in her life. And so, you know, both of us had been de delivered from so much and we weren't really prepared for the amount of work that would be needed for, uh, hmm. I guess you could say like a, a, just a thriving and healthy marriage. And so it was just like, we're just learning on the go and um, it definitely does a number on your flesh and your self life for sure. Um, but you know, I, I think I've just been learning when it comes to a healthy marriage. Uh, you just got to give each other a lot, a lot of grace. Mm. And, um, you know, God's been helping us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that there's just tons of opportunities in a relationship like that or mm -hmm. as a father to, yeah. I don't know, I'm sure it pulls up. I'm sure it pulls out the best. I'm sure at times it pulls out the worst. You know what I mean? Like it can just 
be a huge opportunity to give in to fear or to go back mm. to be distrusting or whatever. What I mean, what are the things that really have helped you stay on on the side of trusting and um, in faith rather than in anxiety and fear? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. You know, I I think most of my life I hid, I hid a lot. I was always hiding, just hiding behind alcohol, pornography, my sexual sin, very just self-protective of them, not allowing people to come in. And, um, you know, the Lord is, is so gentle with us. And he would put things in my life where, just for example, you know, calling me into ministry, you know, having me speak in front of hundreds of people and never in my life would I ever even choose to do that. And it's not to say that I wasn't, <laughs> that I wasn't fearful or wasn't just riddled with like anxiety and, but it was different. It was, it was different because I knew that he was with me. And so for me, it's a testimony because I could go through these, uh, these types of emotions or be fearful or struggle with whatever feelings of anxiety. But at the same time, I saw him still working through me and in me. And um, it it just made me really dependent on his strength rather than my own. And um, he was always proving himself faithful over and over and over again. You know, we all have an inside world. We all have an inner life. And um, I guess I could say my inside world, I experienced way more pain in my inside world than my outside. Um, Just the consequences that you get when you give over that way. It's just, you just want to give God all the glory because I'm not depressed. I'm not hopeless. I'm not in darkness. I have self-control. I was out of control, and now he has given me self-control. And that's huge. I have joy. I'm content. I have peace. And it's nothing short of just God's divine work in the human heart, in the inner life. And and so all the glory goes to him. And um, when it comes to just having a, a beautiful wife and three kids, only he could have done that. Only God. Hey, that's it for this episode. If you'd like to hear more stories of hope, we put a couple of links in the show notes. Or you can download our smartphone app. And once that's downloaded, just click on the podcast tab and look for the stories of hope section. God bless. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.